All right, Landmark, I am so excited. Uh, for Orphan Care Sunday, Agape Sunday, we have one of the biggest, most famous, amazing people on the internet. His name is Robbie Novak. You may know him as Kid President. We are so excited to have Kid President as part of our day today. Now, I'm excited because I'm a big fan of Kid President, and I don't even know what the kid, should I call you Kid or Mr. Kid President, or what do you want me to call you? KP. KP. Okay, KP. I'm John. You can just call me John. Okay? Will that work? All right. So, KP, I want you to tell us a couple things because you've got all these videos on YouTube. You've been all over the world. You met Beyonce. You even went to the White House and hung out with President Obama. Now, was that cool? Yep. All right. That's very cool. I'm happy for you. But there's a lot of things that we see in your videos, but there's some things that we don't know about you. So, you got a couple things you're going to tell us today about yourself that a lot of people may not know. What's the first thing that we may not know about you, KP? That my bones break. Your bones break. You, know, you have a condition. What is that called? Osteogenesis imperfecta. Osteo, osteogenesis imperfecta, which means your bones are really brittle and they break really easily. And you've had surgery how many times now? Thirteen. Thirteen times. And even in some of your videos, you, you can see you're wearing a cast and everything because you break your bones easily. All right, so tell us about the other thing that you just mentioned, that you are... Um, that was adopted. Tell us about your parents. They're awesome. They are. What are their names? Lori and David. Lori and David. Okay, and how long ago did they adopt you? When I was two. When you were two, and you're ten years old now, so you've been with them for eight years. That's awesome. And they take care of you. They've taken. I came, I came when I was two months. Two months. Okay. Wow. So you've been with them from the very beginning. Now, now tell me this. It's kind of cool though, because they knew you had this condition, right? Mm -hmm. They knew that you were going to have to have surgeries and broken bones and. And they adopted you anyway. Now, how cool is it that they adopted you knowing that they would have a pretty tough time taking care of you and your sister who also has the same condition, right? Yeah. Okay. How does that make you feel? <laughs> how does that make you feel that they loved you that much to adopt you anyway? It makes me feel lucky. Lucky. All right. Now, here you are. You're a big internet YouTube star get to travel all over the world and you're making a big difference Robbie I think it's really cool because you inspire a lot of people to do some great things now isn't it awesome that your mom and dad adopted you and loved you so much now, now you're making a huge difference in the whole world isn't that cool yes now if you had you can say one thing to our church Landmark Church in Montgomery if you could say one thing to them about adopting and taking care of somebody who needs to be loved, what would you say? There's a lot of kids who need homes. And you got one. You got a great one, didn't you? Mm -hmm. And now you are changing the world. 
So we say, all of us fans of Big KP, we say to your mom and dad, thank you so much for loving you and your sister because it's making a difference in our lives. Will you tell them that for us? Okay. All right. KP, I'm your biggest fan. Love you, buddy. I love that. Um, that KP's a man of many words, isn't he? <laughs> he? He can put it succinctly. Let me ask you a question I'd like you to think about as we get moving this morning. Uh, what is the first thing that comes to your mind? First thing that comes to your mind when you hear the word adoption? What, what do you think about? Just, just right off the bat. I, I know in my mind what comes really quickly is, is beautiful examples like uh, KP and, and other examples among us of people who've adopted. And, and we're so blessed among us to have so many stories. And we're touched by those stories of children who've been brought into wonderful homes and been blessed. You know, I've been um, collecting those kind of stories over the last couple of years of people among us. Let me just uh, share one of you right now from uh, William and Shanna Phillips. They adopted two beautiful little girls, and, it, and they put it so well. This is the story of being lost and found and redeemed. Not, not a story of how we adopted our girls, but how God showed us finally what it means to be adopted by Him. God started whispering in us before the adoption and before we even got married. Shannon says, I worked at the children's hospital in the critical care unit. And she spent many days with children that were abused and neglected, and they were orphans. And she writes, as I bathed and I rocked them and loved on these children, I knew that God was preparing my heart for something big. Fast forward a few years, and my husband and I were in the Wednesday night father's care class. It was never our intention to adopt at that time. We just registered orphan care, and we always said we'd adopt later. But after several Wednesday nights of hearing testimonies of fellow members, God's voice started changing from a whisper to a thunderous roar. After praying, the answer from God was clear. Our question changed from why now to why not now. We filled out an application eight months later. We got a call and our surprising twin girls were waiting on us. Through every step of our journey, God gave us confirmation. Through this process, we finally understood what it meant to be chosen by His marvelous grace. God took, listen to this, God took two people living the quite suburban Christian life and saved us from being lost in our religious box. Many say to us how we have changed these girls' lives forever. But the reality is they saved us in every sense of the word and opened our eyes to what God sees as true religion. We have been forever changed and redeemed, praise God. Don't you love that story? And then I, I love the story of uh, Patrick and Tara Osborne. And this, this happened quite a long time ago. In the summer of 2003, we were gathering for prayer meetings as a church, and, and people would come before the elders and uh, obey the biblical instruction. The elders would anoint them with oil and pray over them. And one night when we had that prayer meeting, we invited Ron Smith Jr., now lives up north of Birmingham, to come and share his testimony because years ago he had cancer, the elders had prayed over him, and he was cured. And he shared that, and then after that, people came forward and were prayed for by the elders. And 
Patrick and Tara walked forward and talked about their problem of getting pregnant and of infertility. And after that, they went to, they'd shared that before the church. They went to the doctor and the doctor confirmed that they would not be able to bear children. And here's what happened. A couple of weeks later, Tara, who at that time worked here at the church building, got, got a, a phone call. And it was from Ron Smith Jr. wanting to know who the young couple was who in the prayer meeting had said they were dealing with infertility. I told him, Tara writes, it was my husband and I. He began, began telling me that his wife's best friend had called and shared the news that her niece had just told the family that she was five months pregnant with a boy. And he would be born in January. And they wanted to present an adoption plan to her to see if she would give the baby up for adoption. Long story short, it all came together. And that little boy is now among us with Patrick and Tara Osborne. And we are blessed. And you got to love those stories. But here's what I want to tell you. is my number one goal in this message today. Number one goal today is that we would be touched not just by those adoption stories, but we would be touched by our own adoption story. Now let's just go through the Bible for a little bit. And let's look at our adoption story. You can, you can, you can make it into four parts. Part one shows up in Ephesians chapter one. For he, that's God, chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Listen closely. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with the pleasure of his will. Part one, before the foundation of the world, before the universe was created, before the earth was created, before you evolved from an amoeba, before, no, I don't really believe that, but before, just want to make sure you were paying attention, all right? Before any of that happened, in God's heart, in God's mind, he dreamed about adopting you. Is that incredible? Before you were born, before your parents were born or your great-grandparents, before the foundation of the world, God's heart was so full of love that he dreamed of bringing you into the perfect family of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's part one. Part two, Romans chapter 9, verse 3 and 4. Paul says, For I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off for Christ for the sake of my people, those of my race, the people of Israel, Now listen, theirs is the adoption to sonship, theirs the divine glory, the covenants, the receiving of the law, the temple worship, and the promises. Paul says, I want want these people to be saved so badly because they have received a taste of it. And and what God did in the Jewish people is that God gave a, a beautiful picture of adoption. Theirs was the adoption, Paul says. God says, I want to give a picture with a few people of what I want to do with everybody. So here's what I'm going to choose. I'm going to choose one of the smallest, most insignificant, most overlooked nations of people on the face of the earth. And I'm going to bring them out of Egypt and redeem them. But more than just redeem them, I'm going to adopt them into my family so that the world can see my love. And then the whole story climaxes in scene three. Galatians 4, verse 4. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law so that we might receive 
adoption to sonship. The climax of our adoption story is that Jesus came to this earth not simply to redeem us, to take care of our sin problem, but he came to redeem us in order that God could adopt us. You know, this process, just like so many of the stories we're going to hear today, took a lot of time and came at a very steep price. That was the death of his son. But it climaxed in the fact that you and I can now be adopted into the family of God. And that's not the end of the story. It's going to get any better, even better. Look at part four, Romans chapter 8, verse 23. Not only so, but we ourselves, who are the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. My, my friends, you have been adoption, adopted, but the full benefits and inheritance in this family is going to happen when Jesus comes back. And we have a new heaven and a new earth. And therefore, even though we're adopted in love, we groan in this body for that moment when it all makes sense. That moment when it comes together and God's eternal plan is brought to perfection. Every once in a while, we get to see a moment like that. I saw a moment like that last night in a wedding ceremony I was performing. All of us are familiar with... Benji and Kim Nall, and uh, I was doing the wedding ceremony for Avery and for uh, her fiancé, uh, Dustin Lane. What a great young couple. And it, it, was, it was a beautiful, beautiful night in a beautiful place. And right before the ceremony, though, Benji handed me this note. And, and this note was from Amber's birth mother. You see, she had been adopted at birth by the Nalls years ago. Many of you remember that. The birth mother, Paige, was actually at the wedding. Over the last few years, as Avery was struggling, God brought her birth mother back into her life, who'd been searching for her for a long, long time. And so I was able to read this letter from Avery's birth mother, that just sort of brought together the beautiful process of adoption. Listen. From the beginning, my prayers over you were for protection and happiness. God's answer to those prayers came in the form of your parents, Benji and Kim, to whom I will be forever grateful. I continue to carry you in my heart every day, never letting your memory fade. And my love for you remained unwavering as the years passed. This moment in time, I never dreamed I would witness. Yet here we are on your wedding day. You are such an amazing young woman, and I thank you and Dustin for sharing your special day. May you know nothing but love and happiness from this day forward. This is my prayer for you both on this day. What a beautiful thing. When it all comes together... And there you've got the birth mother and the parents and Avery. And the whole story comes to a grand conclusion there in that moment last night. That's the promise of Scripture. That our whole adoption story will come to a grand conclusion when we go to heaven. And we have the full benefits of our adoption. Now, here's our challenge today. 
How do we join God's movement? I mean, God has an incredible movement. Here, here's what you got to understand. Let's go broad just for a moment. With, with everything Christianity, there's a vertical point and there's a horizontal. The vertical is what God does for us. The horizontal is what we do for others. And, and, and the intention of Jesus is what he does for us is what we do for others. Now, we know that on lots of different levels. How about the level of love? We love him, why? Because he first loved us. And he makes plain that that love is most evident when we love others. It starts with God's love, and it ends up by the way we love other people. Guys, our love should be radical. It should be a love the world doesn't know. That's why I love performing weddings. Because we understand love a whole lot better than Hollywood. It's not something you fall in and out of. It's a commitment. It's a decision. It's actions that will lead to the feeling. And it's because we've been loved that way by God. Unconditionally. That we could give it to our spouse or a friend or someone in need. And then we see the same movement in acceptance. Romans 15 verse 7 says, Accept one another just as Christ has accepted you. Why do we radically accept people? Why should the church be the most economically, racially, socially diverse place in our city? Why? Because we have received an acceptance from God that says, you can accept anybody just as God has accepted you. That's what I love about the outreach going on in our community right now, is we're saying, you know what? This is not something for us to hoard in our nice little middle-class neighborhoods. This is something for us to spread to everyone as God spread it to us. And then forgiveness. I mean, Ephesians says that we forgive others as Christ forgave us. Same principle. God's forgiven us. Because sometimes you ever, you ever struggle with forgiving someone? I mean, someone who really did you wrong, and you want to stay mad about it, and you want to feel justified about it, and you want to keep it because they hurt you. And it was wrong. But here's the moment that can stop that kind of vicious, angry, bitter cycle. The moments when you start to think... Oh my goodness, but this person has done nothing worse to me than I did to God. And if God can forgive me, well, guess what? I can forgive them. C.S. Lewis puts it this way, God has forgiven the inexcusable in us so that we can forgive the inexcusable in others. So you see that, that vertical relationship. The Bible even uses this about giving. 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, when they're trying to motivate the church to give, what he says is, you can test your love by comparing it to the way that Jesus gave to you. Guys, when are we going to start giving the way we could? I'm going to tell you what is going to happen. It's going to happen when we are so touched by how God lavishly gave to us, we lavishly give to him. Listen, in this church, on that day, when we finally get that, and the vertical becomes horizontal, we will no longer need special contributions like today. We will give so generously that whatever need comes up, it will automatically be met because we have been so touched by his giving that we give. And guys, that's the adoption movement. The adoption movement is that we are touched by God who's adopted us. I mean, let's just look at some scriptures. Let's look at the heart of God, Psalm 68. God is a father to the fatherless, a defender of the widows, is God in his holy dwelling. My friends, that's the heart of God. That's the vertical. 
Here's the question is, is that word going to remain or will it spread? Here's the horizontal. Listen to what we said back in the book of Isaiah. Chapter 1, verse 17. He says to his people, learn to do right, seek justice, defend the oppressed, take up the cause of the fatherless, plead the case of the widow. And then we get to the New Testament. And God's people are called to do the same thing. James chapter 1, verse 27. Would you look up to the screens and would you read with me this awesome commandment of God to us today? Let's read together, all right? Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. What is pure religion? It's not just about going to religious services. It's not just about doing the right thing. It's about the vertical impact and the horizontal so that we care for the same people that God has a heart for. Now, the key word in this, this verse to me is the word visit. And we think, okay, well, that's nice. Just go, go make a social visit. Just go, go drop by and say hello to them. The word visit in the Bible is so much more richer than that. It literally means to go and inspect, to go look at their conditions. Beyond that, to take care of, to reach out to. So the word visit there is so rich. And God calls us to be a part of this movement. Now what's going to motivate us, guys, to do this? Now, I mean, one thing that could really motivate us is just statistics. And let me, let me just read some statistics to you. In the world today, there are 143 million children who've lost one or both parents. That is almost half the population of our country. Every 14 seconds, an AIDS death leads, every 14 seconds, an AIDS death leads a child orphaned. That's one reason we we support Bruce and Beth Smith in Africa to work on this AIDS epidemic. But on the other side of that epidemic are a lot of children who don't have parents. Every year, 12 million children become orphans. Just in our country, there are 500,000 children in foster care. Approximately 118,000 of these children are available for adoption. Every year in the United States alone, 25 children, 25,000 children go out of the foster system with no family to belong to or place to call home. And I could, I could keep giving you a, a, a lot of shocking statistics. If, if we went to Africa, it's just epidemic. But, you know, here, for us to live this out, I don't really think it's the statistics that can do it. I, it might get our attention. But I think what's going to get our attention is to understand the adoption movement of God. We've gone through it. Let me give it to you again here. What is that adoption movement? It was birthed in the mind of God before creation. It was birthed in God's mind. It was started when Jesus, and and the book of Luke uses this very same word, visited our world to adopt us. Jesus came to our world to inspect it, to find out what was going on with us, and to meet our needs and to adopt us into his family. Now, it takes root when we embrace our adoption in Christ. 
Now here's why I want to stop just for a moment. Because this is what's going to make the difference. Not the statistics. What's going to make the difference is if you and I will embrace the fact that we are all adopted. J.I. Packer, the theologian, wrote this. Adoption is the highest blessing of the gospel, higher than even justification. You see, guys, we, we, let me go through some theological terms. We talk about justification a lot. Justification means that you come before God and as a judge, God declares you just. He forgives you because of the blood of Jesus, he says the price has been paid. That's an incredible term. And we talk a lot about that. We talk a lot about salvation. What's salvation about? It's about being rescued, saved from a terrible position. I love that. It's a great term. But I'm telling you, I think there's a better term, an even stronger, richer term. It's called adoption. Justification is a a, a legal term. Salvation is a rescue term. Adoption is a family term. It's warm. It's loving. It's embracing. For instance, let's say there's a teenager who's done something terrible. And he goes before a judge. He's in the courtroom before the judge. And the judge simply out of goodness and mercy, for no reason of what the child had done, brings the gavel down and pronounces him not guilty. If you're that kid, that'd be really awesome. But let's walk outside the court. Let's go into the judge's chambers. And now the judge signs some other documents, and it's adoption documents. And the judge adopts this child and brings him to his home from the court. Now that is amazing. And here's the story we read today. Not only because of the blood of Jesus has God been able to bring the gavel down with you and I and say, not guilty, saved, justified. He's been able to say that. But God took it a step further. He took us to his chambers and he signed the adoption papers and he's welcomed us into his family. And my friends, that is when the adoption movement is not just birthed, but that's when the last point here, it explodes. It explodes with us now visiting the orphans in our world. Well, why, why, do, we, why do we carry on this ministry? Why, why, why should this ministry, of all ministries in this church, why should this ministry not be foreign to us, not be unusual to us? Because it's exactly what God has done for us. I ask you, have you embraced your adoption in Christ. I'm going to tell you, I believe for many of us who grew up talking about being justified and being saved, which are wonderful terms, I'm telling you, it would make your relationship with God warmer, stronger, deeper, more loving if you'd start talking about adoption more than salvation. He's took you into his home. And in that moment, it explodes. So let's go back to our original question this morning. 
What is the first thing that comes to your mind when you hear the word adoption? I confess to you at the beginning of this sermon, the first thing that comes to my mind is I think about the Osbournes and I think about the Blacks and I think about all the wonderful stories of adoption in this church family. I I would say to you that that's really not the first thing that needs to come to my mind or your mind. For this movement to really take root, for it to be what it needs to be for me and for you and for children in our community and across the world, when the word adoption is said, the first thing that needs to come to your mind is I am adopted in Christ. And that begins the movement that changes everything. I ask you, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? When you hear the word adoption, have you embraced the fact that you've been adopted? If you do, then you and I are going to take up the cause. In just a moment, you're going to have a chance to turn in that little card that I showed you earlier that's in your bulletin. If you hadn't filled that out yet, I encourage you right now to take this. You may need to get your reading glasses out because there are a lot of things that you can do. An awful lot of things that you can do. Uh, Adoption doesn't mean that everybody in here has got to go adopt a baby. That may not be your calling. But your calling may be to financially assist or physically assist or emotionally assist those that are adopting. And as you read down this list, you're going to see dozens of ideas of things that you and any of us could do. This is a calling not just for a few. This is a calling for our entire church. So a moment, I'm going to give you a chance while we sing our, our song in just a moment to bring this to the front and to turn this in, all right? But I want to talk to another group of folks before we do that. And that's those of us who have never been adopted into Christ. Maybe you think of terms of being saved and being lost, and those are good terms. But there's even a better term. If today somehow life has been not very nice to you, and family's not been exactly the place of warmth, and you feel alone, then I'd like to invite you to be adopted into Christ. Today, you could be born again, not because you've earned it or because you've worked for it or that you're good enough for it. You know, in, in the first century, you know, Adoption didn't take place until someone was an adolescent. And they did not adopt unless that child, on their own, had proved themselves worthy to be adopted. Thank God that's not the picture in Christ. You do not have to be worthy. In fact, we all know we're not worthy. You do not have to prove yourself. You just have to surrender yourself. And today you could be born again and adopted into the family of God. And then... The adoption movement can take place in your heart and can change your life. I want to invite the children that are going to be here to take these forms up. If they'd come on and stand up here with your baskets. We have some of our adopted children that are coming today and can be here. And while we sing, if you would simply come and uh, hand them your form. The baskets are right here, Paul, if you could hand him one. I think I've got a couple more kids. Please come on up. 
You know, the adoption group asked me this morning if I would pound the podium today. <laughs> I'm telling you what, pounding the podium won't do anything like y'all. You guys go ahead and stand up here. I want them to see you. Like you seeing these children and more children in our church who've been blessed by adoption. That'll move your heart much more than me screaming. I want to read to you to close another one of those adoption stories, and this is from Katie Beth McCarthy. And she tells a long story about their, all the children they've adopted. And uh, guys, if you want to be spiritually encouraged, go on Facebook and get on Katie Beth McCarthy's Facebook page, because it is always incredible. But here's something she wrote that I want you to think about before we sing. She writes, we honestly forget that our children are adopted. We don't see differences in their skin color or the shapes of their eyes. We see our sons. Their edges fit our edges, making the perfect family puzzle. We celebrate the fact that everyone at our dinner table has no biological connection, just a cord stitched by God. We hear all the time that we saved our sons, that we're a blessing to them. But what is impossible to describe is that they saved us. Not just in the sense that all children bless their parents, but in the sense that we know firsthand how God chose us, sought us, sacrificed for us, and adopted us. We know what it's like to be fully, completely sacrificed for not simply of our own blood. And we understand how he does the same for us. We have an understanding of family that is difficult for most to grasp. My family is who God chose for me. Those with whom I share communion. Those with whom I worship. Not just those whom I share genetic makeup with. I can more easily, more quickly... Bring people in because I see now how this works. And she closes. Blood may be thicker than water, but love is thicker than blood. And we have more than enough love to go around. This morning, if you want to indicate your help by bringing your form forward, do that. If today you want to come forward for prayers or to be born again and adopted in Christ, meet me down front. Let's all stand together and sing.